0: Man can kill, but can he resuscitate? Even until the middle of the 20th century, lissam cheetahs bolted across central India's meadows. Then the cheetah population flatlined. India's independence from the British was stained with the loss of a big mammal, a docile, spotted carnivore from the subcontinent. But a wildlife trial hopes to funnel back cheetahs into India this year. About a dozen cheetahs are likely to be ferried from Africa to India, adding their nameplates to this house of big cats that already roofs lions, tigers and leopards. Does this project deserve a flag-off or a barricade? Let's find out by zigzagging through diverse opinions in the Newsreel Asia podcast series, Will the Cheetah Change Its Spots? The gentle slopes of the Vindhyas were home to the Saharya tribe, an ancient and vulnerable indigenous group. For centuries, they had lived among carnivores like leopards, wolves and wild dogs, woken up to the sounds of chirping birds, watched spotted deer quench their thirst at the gurgling Kuno tributary and squinted to see raptors circle above the gullies and ravines guiding the Chambal river. All that ended in 1999 when they left behind their fertile, water-rife, forest-fringing farmlands, and were forced to move to a village eight
1: kilometers from their original home ya to ek dusre pani to pani arson and his family lumbered
0: along in a tractor two decades ago as they made way for a population of lions but wildlife conservation is not merely about animals. It's also about human egos. The government of Gujarat, where the only population of lions in India existed, didn't want to give up its monopoly. The Saharyas increasingly believed their disruptive relocation to be futile. Riots ensued in 2007. The relocation of the Sahariyas wasn't justified for over two decades. Then came a change of plans. In early 2020, India's top court gave a judgment compelling forest officials to set firmer boundaries for Kuno. The lions were unlikely to arrive. Instead, the Supreme Court of India allowed the reintroduction of cheetahs in the reserve. The Apex Court's decision brought in higher restrictions on movement in and out of the park last year. It crushed any inkling of financial benefit from forest produce in a money-tight pandemic year.
2: Um, A lot of these decisions now are being devolved to, to the Supreme Court. So the Apex Court is actually having to make decisions on Indian wildlife because of a distinct lack of movement between policy to practice.
0: Simon Evans is an ecologist and an academic at the Anglia Ruskin University in England.
2: There's a, there's very big fears among many rural populations that wildlife is worth more than human life in some of those areas. And, um, and, and that can't help because wildlife conservation Requires local acceptance, it requires people to contribute. So at the moment, I can't see much coordination between tribal and indigenous group conservation activity and wildlife conservation.
0: Every November, temperatures in Kuno, where the Chambal and its tributaries crisscross to form valleys and peaks oscillate between 18 degrees at night and 30 degrees during the day. A pitter-patter sound envelopes the forest during this month as leaves of the Boswellia serrata drizzle to the ground. Every summer, members of indigenous communities trudge into Kuno to make cuts on the Boswellia serratas bath. They acts a slit on the cracked and peeling trunk of these Indian frankincense trees. An unbearably hot and dry central Indian summer is followed by a wet and windy monsoon. Then as temperatures slowly drop in the fall, cuts on the trees start oozing out a golden honey-like liquid. The sap hardens to become a dewy, translucent, amber-coloured raisin. It's around this time that Sahariya woman throng Kuno to harvest the dark brown sap from inherited tree. When I say inherited, I mean that the community has over centuries mutually agreed on tree ownership for different tribal families to prevent overuse and overharvesting. The gum is used as medicinal food and also turned into a musky, fragrant frankincense. But last year, as forest officials cracked the whip on entries into this reserve, collections kamikazeed and hurt family incomes in a financially tough year.
3: What the people are being told is that we're installing CCTV cameras here. So even when the guard is not around, you, you know, your footage will tell us who came in and then we will take action.
0: You've heard Asmita Kabra before. She's an academic at Delhi's Ambedkar University and has studied Saharias in Kuno since their initial displacement in 1998. This
3: harvesting season of 2020, there was no, almost no collection going on because the boundaries of the national park had been notified. And the area in which people were traditionally collecting was now falling within the national park. And as per the law of the land, you can't collect forest produce from the national park. So, the forest department was starting to implement the rules very strongly. Those who were found violating this and going into the forest were being rounded up. In order to sort of enforce the boundaries of the national park on the ground, the department started to create this seven foot high, seven or eight feet high walls. And it's still not complete, but it's, you know, it's around almost a kilometer of the wall has been built. And as a result, people find it very difficult. You see, if you're carrying a headload of wood, which is 20-25 kg and it's usually women who do the, the, you know, fuel wood collection.
0: Late one evening in August, Sultan Jhadav pillion rode with a friend from Agra to Kuno at sunset. You'd recollect that Sultan and his family had relocated when he was a child, Following the expansion of Kuno's boundaries 20 years ago, the heavy rains that lashed out this monsoon had finally abated. Sultan called me back that night to narrate what he had witnessed. He said that the area of the national park did seem to have been extended, and there were also some talks of relocating other villages. <laughs>
4: एरिया उन्होंने बढ़ाया है और उससे वहां पे उन्होंने प्रचार प्रसार भी किया है कुछ और लोगों को बता रहे हैं अब वो के इधर जाना अब अलाउड नहीं है घाटी नीचे जो फॉरेस्ट का एरिया नहीं था उनका कहना है कि हमें भी विस्थापित करने की चर्चा करते हैं वो लोग तो आदिवासी बनाई गई हैं ऐसे प्रचार प्रसार भी है और उन्होंने थोड़ा
0: क्षेत्र भी अपना बढ़ा दिया है Ramlal was unsure if these curbs would even work. Compulsions of poverty and unemployment amidst the pandemic forced women to risk entry into the park and scrape resin from the Indian frankincense tree for
4: sale.
0: Two decades after Ramlal and his family were forced to move from Kuno's forests to Agra, the space was now being readied for a new clan, that of Arsenonyx jubatus jubatus, or African cheetahs. In a few months, these speedsters are likely to be flown from their home in the dark continent's savannas and trucked to central India's tropical grasslands.
1: Yeah, the reason for selecting Kuno is that Kuno was already prepared for the reintroduction of lions um, when we started looking at sites. I'm Yadvindradev Jala. Uh, I'm the Dean at the Wildlife Institute of India and I study large carnivores uh, like lions, tigers, and cheetah now.
0: The Wildlife Institute of India is a government-supported conservation and educational institute that has championed the Cheetah Reintroduction Project. Uh,
1: There are other sites which are equally good um, as Kuno, but they are not prepared. In the sense, for preparing uh, to release a large carnivore, you need to be sure that uh, the human pressures are reduced to a level where the detrimental effect of human impact is least. And the prey base is sufficiently large so that there is enough food for the carnivores to uh, reproduce and form a viable population.
0: As you have heard, the story of the cheetahs is inseparable from that of the saharias. It is also conjoined to the Indian savannas, a terrain that got possibly created more than 60 million years ago and provided us with valuable cereals like rice and wheat. I'm talking about grasslands.
1: Humans have been playing devil on this planet by causing extinctions. So we do also have to play God by doing restoration ecology and reintroductions.
0: Over a century, starting in the 1800s, India lost large swathes of forest land. It also saw the decimation of grasslands that ruled over one-fifth of India. These turfs were seen as wastelands. It was, of course, far from the truth. Meadows were home to jackals, medium-sized cats like the caracal, wolves, herbivores like blackbucks, small birds like quails, drongos, grassbirds, and bigger ones like the critically endangered great indian buster. A closer look revealed myriad insects, butterflies, moths, ants, bees, wasps, beetles, crickets, grasshoppers, leafhoppers, and seed bugs. the slaughter of the grasslands equaled a much wider butchering.
1: So, you know, you've we have disrupted all the ecological as well as the evolutionary cycles on this planet. And uh, now we, we humans have uh, the economic uh, ability in India, as well as the know-how of uh, bringing back uh, this uh, evolutionary force as well as an ecological force. We also want to restore our lost heritage. So all these put together, it is just important that we bring back the cheetah into India. See, look, we Indians are very symbol-oriented.
0: This is Divya Bhanu Singh Chabda. He's been your co-passenger on this safari. I keep going back to him because of his historical insights. From the earlier episodes, you're probably aware that he has written a book on cheetahs in India. Divya Bhanu Singh's statement explains the attitude of people towards such projects. It pinpoints the compulsive need for a headlining flagship species to save the central Indian forests or floodplains or even grasslands. It also reveals the complexity of India's wildlife Rubik's Cube, a puzzle with a million moving parts. Each justifying its spot in the spin.
3: Thanks to
1: the rhinoceros, huge swathes of Assam are protected today. Thanks to the tiger, today several forest tracts are protected in the name of the tiger. Similarly, in the name of the lion, the entire gear uh, ecology has been protected.
0: Now, reintroductions are a difficult and delicate operation. Things can tumble downhill or have soaring benefits. It's a good time to introduce a term called trophic cascade. To understand it, we will have to dive into another story. wolves were driven to extinction in the conifer-rich Yellowstone National Park, pinned to the western end of the United States of America. More than 100 years later, discussions began to reintroduce wolves back in Yellowstone. On a cold winter January day in 1995, a long white bus pulled into Yellowstone National Park. Inside, were eight grey wolves from Alberta, Canada. These were the first wolves to be brought into the reserve. By 1996, 31 grey wolves had relocated to Yellowstone. As a predator pounced into the food chain, previously unfettered elk populations started to shrink. Shrubs and grasses and trees not barren by an explosion of these large deers, got a lifeline. Plants along water bodies thrived as elks turned skittish and stayed clear of some grazing lands watchful of wolves. This reduced erosion around riverbanks as roots of unplucked grasses and trees gripped the soil. Fish and other river life thrived as the waters became clear of mud with a drop in weathering. By starting a recovery at the apex of the food chain, a cascade of benefits tumbled through the ecosystem. Could the reinjection of the cheetah have a similar domino effect on the grasslands in India?
1: In India, we are very forest-oriented. We are not grassland oriented. We are not savanna oriented. And if you bring in the cheetah as flagship species, then in that event, you are protecting a whole ecology which is which is gone by the roadside, like like for instance the caracal, uh the wolf, the great Indian bustard's habitat. We should all get protection under the umbrella of a cheetah. That's a carnivore, which is a very important element of uh, systems where we don't have the tiger and the lion. So the large carnivore, which, when it vanishes, the uh, the ecosystem functions of those uh, elements as also going with it. Like, for example, you have the black buck and the chinkara, which have evolved under the pressure of predation from cheetah. And the fast speed which these animals have are because the cheetah was the major predator on them. The other species being the wolf, the caracal, um, the hyena. And to a great extent, endangered species like the Great Indian Bustard and the Lesser Florican also share the habitats with the cheetah.
0: As you would expect, there are some who disagree. And the truth is that each one of them is right in their own way. It had been a disgusting game of fun for Indian kings to decimate a thriving population of Asiatic cheetahs in the country. More than half a century later, wildlife officials are trying to recreate our glorious past. In a few months, a truck will pull into Kuno from central India's Gwalior Airport, carrying a dozen spotted passengers from South Africa.
2: So when you're paying so much for a relocation or an introduction project um, for cheetahs from Africa to India, that is an expensive endeavour. These projects which I refer to, um, a lot of people won't agree with me, but I refer to as vanity projects, um, which are, are probably um, directed towards the tourism industry. The problem I see is, is that's going to lead to a dilution of conservation funding.
0: Ecologists like Karanth agree with Simon and lament about funding being vacuumed away from supporting endangered species in India, like the great Indian bustard. The miniature ostrich-like bird has been poached to near extinction of its grasslands and semi-desert habitats in India.
1: Yes, but who is supporting the Great Indian Bustard? No, or the wolf, or the caracal. If the cheetah comes, then the money will come. I mean, who is stopping anybody from spending? Why did they? Why has nobody spent in the last 50 years on these animals? And now all these habitats are being restored in the name of the cheetah, right? So if there was no cheetah coming in, I don't think Uno would have got this kind of funding. It's unfortunate, but it's true. So the cheetah acts as an as a catalyst.
0: Actually, none of these wildlife mechanics can figure out which of the gazillion wires need tweaking for the perfect fix to this circuitous issue. For clarity, let's take a flight to South Africa. This former Dutch colony leaves no doubt about its location with its name. The Rainbow Nation, which has 11 official languages, is cradled by the Indian Ocean to its east and the Atlantic Ocean to its west. Its rolling grasslands spread over the uplift and slopes of an age-old plateau, homes giraffes, wild dogs, rhinos, hippos, lions, leopards, and of course, cheetahs. The sprinting cats who can cover 115 feet in just three seconds when in pursuit. Cheetahs are the most endangered of big cats in these African savannas, where carpets of grass are checkered with socially distanced acacia trees. These cats often sit on tree branches to zoom into their small and medium-sized prey hiding in the bush. Way back in the 1960s, cheetah numbers in South Africa were dipping. They were categorized as vermin or pests by the South African government. Farmers regularly shot and killed cheetahs entering their lands. Then this practice slowed in 1965 when cheetahs straying into fields were trapped and kept in fenced reserves instead of being exterminated.
4: The major reason for the decline of of wildlife populations in Africa is, is human beings. So if you come to South Africa, every single one of our protected areas is totally fenced, separating them from humanity this fortress conservation approach, which is not popular with social scientists. The current conservation paradigm is coexistence.
0: Six decades ago, as the population of cheetahs dipped to 500, about 300 cheetahs were reintroduced from Namibia, then a colony of South Africa. It was a rookie initiative written with errors in judgment the cheetahs were not cordoned off in a safe enclosure to acclimatize themselves. They were set free in a new territory where they were unfamiliar with the location of water bodies, prey and competing predators, the basic requirement for survival in the wild. Many reintroduced cheetahs died.
4: The first three introductions happened in 1965. And the first success was only in 1992. You know, we didn't have holding facilities. We didn't have soft-release bombers. The cheetahs were trucked into the country and just hard-released into these reserves. And we made a lot of mistakes. And only one of these reintroductions actually succeeded.
0: Starting from the mid-'90s, cheetahs were actively managed in fenced reserves in South Africa. They were moved from one reserve to another to diversify the gene pool that could otherwise have been rendered weak through inbreeding. After any swap, cheetahs were kept in an enclosure to tune into the new environment. They were set free to roam the entire space only after a few weeks. Over the last decade, cheetah population in South Africa has doubled. It's the only country with a growing population of cheetahs. And this is the reason why Indian government officials consulted South African experts for the cheetah reintroduction program. Nearly a dozen or more cheetahs are likely to travel from Africa to India later this year or whenever the formalities are completed. Vincent explains that this is a complex program to execute.
4: We saw a perfect habitat. We saw more than enough prey populations in Kuno National Park. We saw a protected area, but still, you know, the area is not fenced. There is a chance that the cheetahs may move right out of Kuno.